Hello and welcome. This is Bill Van Arsel for Radio I. Today I will be reading from the AARP Bulletin and Magazine, dated March 18, 2023. As a reminder, Radio I is a reading service intended for people who are blind or have other disabilities that make it difficult to read printed material. The first story is, Grandfluencers become stars on social media. Young fans seek connection, wisdom, and a glimpse of what aging can look like. Patty Ulish, 82, is a former interior designer who resides in a senior living apartment in Los Angeles and loves volunteering, playing cards, and being a grandmother, but Thursdays are for TikTok. That's when Ulish and five other over-70 actors film for the Retirement House channel, a content house or collab featuring a group of people who purport to live together and create social media content. Their account has more than 4.6 million TikTok followers and 492,000 followers on Instagram. In videos, you'll spot Yulish, known as Booba in the house, lip-syncing to the latest hip-hop hit interviewing rap stars, or doing splits to the music of Cardi B and Glorilla. Or she'll be doing the wine glass challenge, a trending stunt requiring her to hold the base of a wine glass in her teeth and attempt to pour the contents over her head and into the mouth of fellow actor Galen Baker, 85, a.k.a. Mabel. Their messy version pulled in over 1.4 million likes. Welcome to Aging on Social Media, where the later years can be funny, adventurous, wise, and hip. Retirement House is just one account either featuring or created by Grandfluencers, older adults invading the social media space dominated by those under 30. While they represent a minority of TikTok creators, their appearance on social media is vital to challenging the ageist stereotypes preponderant among the young, according to researchers who published a survey of TikTok accounts in the Gerontologist Journal in October. Grandfluencers counter the stereotype of older people fumbling with their phones. Instead, the digital literacy born of the pandemic and the instant intimacy and feedback of social media are building a bridge between generations that is funny, inspirational, and sometimes tender. And while there might be discordant or ageist moments, these seem overwhelmingly counterbalanced by the encouraging comments of these grandfluencers, much younger fans. That generation is very supportive of us, and they're having a great time watching us, Eulich says. I think that's what they expect their future years to be, more like us than anything else. At the top of the Grandfluencer Pyramid are accounts like Retirement House and the flashy, funny, and affirming antics of the four 60- and 70-something men who call themselves the Old Gays, 10.4 million TikTok followers. But not all Grandfluencers draw from young influencer culture. There are the calming tones of grandmothers like Diana Schiffer, a.k.a. Your Chubbage Vintage Nana, the reassuring how-to videos of Bo Pedersen from Dad Advice from Bo, and Barbara Costello of Brunch with Babs. 
the colorful clothing of Judith Boyd, the style crone, and the travel videos of Charlotte Simpson, the traveling black widow, to name just a few. At the age of 101, fashion icon and interior designer Iris Apfel, known for her colorful eyeglasses, has two and a half million followers on Instagram. The democratizing nature of social media has allowed all these older adults to gain followers and influencers, says Ashton Applewhite, an anti-ageism activist and author of This Chair Rocks, a manifesto against ageism. The medium has opened opportunities for people of any age, she says. I can open a TikTok channel tomorrow and start posting pictures of my garden or my grandchild or ranting. Social media platforms attract followers by passion rather than by traditional demographics like age, says Meredith Jacobson, a Boston-based social media consultant who works with Pedersen and other influencers. In other words, if you search on TikTok for like-minded people who love a particular rap artist or can teach you how to knit a sweater, their age doesn't affect how you engage once you find them. It's not so much about age, it's more about level of fandom and level of interest and the niche, Jacobson says. But for many younger Generation Z social media users, Grandfluencer content seems to satisfy a hunger for reassurance and validation from an older generation, according to several creators. In that realm, being older is an advantage, as grandfluencers present themselves as inspiring, wise, or comforting. Schiffer, 66, warmly invites her 715,000 TikTok and 521,000 Instagram followers into the piece of her vintage-style home in upstate New York, where she accessorizes her morning coffee, always served in a china cup, with lace-trimmed embroidered linens and homemade cinnamon buns. She was a blogger but went viral on Instagram in 2021, demonstrating how she twists up her long white hair into a 1940s updo. She started out posting about her vintage style and her children. But her followers responded to her slow pace and reassuring chats, often delivered in intimate close-ups, while her hair is in pink foam curlers, or she's wearing a vintage dress. Hello, my darlings, she says into her camera, soothingly. You know that thing you've been dreading? You know that thing that you've been putting off for way too long? I want to tell you something. You can do it. That bit of wisdom got more than 26,000 likes with sometimes heartrending responses. You'd be surprised how many people never had anyone talk to them how you do. Or, my grandma died three days ago. She was the only one who supported me. I miss her a lot. That said, ageism is not always easy to dodge. Brandon Chase, 26, and Adi Aswan, 27, who created Retirement House, say they have struggled to find the sweet spot between humor and mockery. The feed began as a jokey spoof on TV shows like Jersey Shore and the TikTok houses featuring 20-something personalities partying and doing stupid stuff. Chase and Osron thought the discordance of old people playing drinking games would be good for laughs. They were surprised when their older actors turned out to be funny, energetic, 
and up for almost anything. We realize that there is a stigma about getting older and that people think you just go into a retirement home and watch TV all the time, says Chase. And we saw how much life these guys had and how much energy they had. And it totally changed how we thought of older people. After more than a year of making videos together, the Retirement House cast and creators say they have become close and collaborative. They listen to what we say, Eulish explains. Sometimes I'll say, well, I wouldn't react that way. And they say, well, let's see how you would react. And then they say, yeah, do it the way you do it. Just be booba. And I love it. Still, there's no getting around the fact that the cast looks old, and that's part of the humor, Osron says. He admits writers will occasionally throw a walker into a dance shot for the cheap laugh. But Baker thinks the message on aging is mostly positive. I don't think we're making fun of old people, Baker says. I think we're making fun of the way this country has treated old. Still, the learning curve for older creators is sometimes steep. Even though most of the retirement house actors have experience with acting and sketch comedy, they had to learn the quick timing of short videos, as well as lip-syncing and some impressive hip-hop moves. Schiffer, who does her own filming and editing, says that a video that might take a digital native an hour or two to pull together can take her ten. And age does sometimes have its limits. Simpson, the travel expert, has learned to accept that she can't always achieve whatever popular Instagram angle goes viral for younger influencers. One example was in Petra, Jordan, where there's a popular selfie spot to capture the facade of the Treasury Temple, famously depicted as the resting place of the Holy Grail in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Simpson is brave enough to have traveled to 60 foreign countries by herself, but she realized the photo would require a difficult and rocky climb to have the temple behind her. She chose a different place to stand. Her decision told her followers it is okay not to follow the influencer crowd, she says. Why do we all have to have that same angle, Simpson asks. And I'm not going to have that angle because I'm not going to risk my life to get up there. Whether in real life or on social media, she says, age brings confidence. You're just better able to do you. That confidence is creating a professional resurgence for some grandfluencers who are catching the eye of marketers and others. Retirement House has partnerships with brands ranging from Twisted Tea Alcoholic Iced Tea to CeraVe Body Creams. One travel company representative told Simpson she brought something different to the social media space because she wasn't just another pretty face. She took it as a compliment. He says it's nice to see someone with a different following, a different message. So somehow, they are getting my message to enjoy your life, says Simpson, who only gives her age as over 65. The fame and financial rewards are pretty sweet too, according to Baker, a.k.a. Mabel, of Retirement House. She, Eulish, and the others, Chuck Lacey, 71, Monterey Morrissey, 71, Rhea Gray, 73, and Jerry Boyd, 77, are having a blast. Being recognized out in public and walking the red carpet at the Streamy Awards show, which recognizes excellence in online video. Instead of auditioning for commercials, now people write in and say, 
Can we have Mabel for our commercials? Says Baker, an actor, filmmaker, and writer who started dancing at the age of three and has been around show business for decades. I've been a creative artist my entire life. I've never had this kind of wonderful recognition. It's just marvelous. And the connection they have with their fans provides gratification, too. Pedersen, who is filmed by his daughter Emily in a collaboration that started after she had a traumatic head injury and needed a way to re-engage, gives Dad advice on everything from changing a tire to proper handshakes to picking up a baby. He has 2.4 million TikTok followers and 967,000 on Instagram. Like any good parent, this father of six adult children and granddad of three is reassuring. In one video, he simply speaks into the camera to tell followers that he's proud of them, in case you needed to hear this today from a dad. It has over 50,000 likes on TikTok and more than 1,700 comments, such as, I really needed this. I appreciate it. I've never been told how proud someone is of me. Pedersen says he was lucky to learn a lot from his own father. Most of all, I try to remind my followers that I, too, have needed someone to gently teach me something and give me a lot of patience in my lifetime, he adds. We're all in this life thing together, learning from each other, no matter our age. The next article is, Here are some celebrities still doing what they love after 90. Catch up, if you can, with Mel Brooks, Rita Moreno, Dick Van Dyke, and more. In a new video called Hashtag Rethink Aging, the Jeffersons star, Marla Gibbs, 91, says, 91 is the new 30. In April, Carol Burnett and Willie Nelson, still creatively vital, join the Nonagenarian Club. Burnett's NBC special, Carol Burnett, 90 Years of Laughter and Love, airs April 26th, and Nelson will celebrate his big day with a Hollywood Bowl birthday concert with Neil Young, Tom Jones, Snoop Dogg, Beck, and more. And he's not stopping there. He's also got a brand new album, I Don't Know a Thing About Love. Here are some of the top talents over 90 whose creative energy we can all envy and emulate if we can. Quincy Jones, 90. People keep telling me I'm turning 90 this year on March 14th. The musician-producer who earned 28 Grammys, a Tony, and seven Oscar nominations posted on Facebook recently. But what they don't know is I feel like I'm turning 50. They must be real convinced, though, because apparently I'm getting a 90th birthday concert at the Hollywood Bowl with special guests on July 28th and 29th, 2023. He's also producing a movie musical adaptation of Alice Walker's The Color Purple, starring Taraji P. Henson, 52, and Louis Gossett, Jr., 86, arriving in theaters December 20th. Mel Brooks, 96. Far more spry than his 2,000-year-old man character, Brooks narrates his latest hit TV series, History of the World Part Two, a job he gave Orson Welles in the 1981 original Part One. It stars Marla Gibbs and Wanda Sykes in the 70s sitcom parody Shirley, plus a parade of younger Brooks-idolizing actors. 
Brooks got his start on TV 70 years ago as a writer for Sid Caesar's comedy variety show, along with Woody Allen and Neil Simon, then went on to co-create the 1960s TV cult classic Get Smart. So it's gratifying to see that after an Oscar, four Emmys, three Tonys, and three Grammys, his TV career is still going strong. William Shatner, 91. When Star Trek was canceled in 1969, Shatner was broke and living in his truck. Maybe that's why he's worked so hard ever since. Most recently, in the autobiographical documentary, You Can Call Me Bill, premiering March 16th at South by Southwest. Asked whether he plans to retire, Shatner told AARP, Why? What are you going to retire to? I mean, I don't fish and don't play golf. I ride horses a lot. But what are you going to do? You can't sit and rock. Well, you can sit and rock, but you have a guitar in your hand. Harry Belafonte, 96. The singer-actor is not resting on his laurels, which include a Kennedy Center Honors, a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award, and induction last year into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He's also just finished a documentary, Following Harry, about his still more influential work as a social activist. Director Suzanne Rostock told Deadline that it's a story of aging, of legacy, of responsibility for what one leaves behind, a multi-generational blueprint for the future. Rita Moreno, 91. Sure, she lit up the screen in Steven Spielberg's West Side Story in 2021 and the current hit 80 for Brady, but what has she done for us lately? A whole lot, it turns out. Moreno joins Helen Mirren in the upcoming action film Fast X, May 19th, and plays an astrological reader who causes a Freaky Friday-like body swap in Netflix's upcoming original movie Family Leave. James Hong, 94. The veteran of four other Best Picture nominees, Chinatown, Bound for Glory, The Sand Pebbles, and Love is a Many Splendored Thing, enjoyed a ribbing by Jimmy Kimmel at the 2023 Oscar ceremony, where his latest movie, Everything Everywhere All at Once, won big. I might be the only living working actor that has worked with Groucho Marx and Clark Gable, he told Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine. Listen for him, along with Jackie Chan and Dustin Hoffman, in Kung Fu Panda 4, 2024, one of five upcoming projects. Dick Van Dyke, 97. The 1960s sitcom king shocked us by dancing up a storm in 2018's Mary Poppins Returns and again as the gnome on The Masked Singer in 2023, making Judge Nicole Scherzinger cry. But he's not quitting the biz. His latest project is the movie Capture the Flag, about aging Korean War vets competing for the right to raise the flag at their retirement community, in which he stars with Barry Corbin and Louis Gossett Jr. There's a fear of getting old among the young, he told NBC News. I want them to know that old age can be wonderful. It's the best time of my life by far. Norman Lear, 100. The All in the Family auteur celebrated his 96th birthday by accepting AARP's first TV for Grown Ups honors in 2018. 
He said, when people ask me how old do I feel, I always say I think of myself as the peer of whoever I'm talking to. If you're 26, I'm 26. If you're 86, I'm 86. If you're 12, I'm 12. I have a hard time being a grown-up. This year, Lear noted that in 2020, he became the oldest person to win an Emmy. How about that? Estelle Parsons, 95. The star of Roseanne and its update, The Connors, told Closer Weekly that she got her theater pal Gene Hackman a role in 1967's Bonnie and Clyde, the movie for which she won an Oscar. I kept trying to talk him out of wanting to be a movie star, she said. Hackman, 93, is now retired and living in New Mexico. But retirement is not for Parsons. I hope to produce a show this fall. I also do more directing now. Why wouldn't I keep working? I think everybody in theater wants to keep working until they drop dead on stage. That's the ideal. Die with your boots on. The next story is a report on a book, How a Biracial Journalist Found Belonging and Success. In a powerful new memoir, Michelle Miller describes her mother's abandonment, facing racial bias, and forging her own identity. Only hours after I squinted up at my mother's face in the delivery room, she was gone. So begins the remarkable life story of CBS News correspondent Michelle Miller, 55, the daughter of a clandestine affair between a married black physician and a white co-worker of Mexican heritage, Miller was abandoned by her mother soon after her birth, in part because of the color of her skin. In her new memoir, Belonging, A Daughter's Search for Identity Through Loss and Love, Miller, co-host of CBS Saturday Morning, describes how she's tried to make sense of her blurry beginnings, the nurturing community of people who raised her in south-central Los Angeles and made her whole, as well as the challenge of trying to find her place in a world in which she was both too brown to be white and too light to be unquestioningly embraced as a black girl. It's a deeply personal story, powerfully told. Miller, who has two children and is married to former New Orleans Mayor Mark Morial, now president of the National Urban League, also offers empowering words for those still trying to find their way. You don't have to be defined by your origin story, she said in a recent interview with AARP. You can create the life you want. Here's more from our interview with the author. Question, why did you decide to share your story? Answer, after George Floyd's murder in 2020, I was asked to do a retrospective piece of my coverage of social justice issues over the last 30 years for CBS This Morning. I was living in South Central Los Angeles in 1992 when the riots took place after four officers were acquitted in the beating of Rodney King. I told this arc of a story, and in the middle of this three-and-a-half-minute piece, for about 20 seconds, I segued into how racism has affected me since the day I was born. I said something like, I was born to a father and grandmother who adored me and a mother who, to this day, does not acknowledge my existence. People were writing me emails and sending texts like, I had no idea. Everyone was rooting me on to do this book. Question, 
What effect did your mother's absence have on you? Answer, there was this sense of not knowing where I fit in. I looked different and had an insecurity about that. Question, as a mom yourself, how difficult is it to understand your mother's decision to walk away? Answer, growing up, I had empathy for her. I had no anger. After meeting her, there was a greater understanding of why she did it. I could imagine her life. Growing up in a family and being very close to your mother and father, and not only are you skirting the edges of what is familiar to them, but you're involved with a married man who happens to be a man of color. But when my son was born and she didn't acknowledge that and never asked about him, I was furious. That she couldn't acknowledge me, I understood. But she had no longing to offer that to my children, and that angered me. Then, years later, when she told me that her father and husband had died and her mother had dementia, I thought, now you can finally acknowledge me. But even then, she couldn't, and that never sat well with me. Question, that's heartbreaking. Answer, she was in love with this man and had a child with him, yet she could never let that be exposed. Anybody living a secret like that must not be fully who they are and must not be able to fully live their life because they're so terrified about being found out. Question, you've had amazing surrogates helping to raise you, your grandmother, Big Mama, and your Aunt Edna among them. The community stepped up as well. Answer, when you are marginalized in a greater society, there's an affinity you have with your fellow cohorts, so to speak, an understanding, a connectivity that comes from shared experiences. It's this feeling of familiarity, which goes to the core of how we greet each other, even as strangers. Particularly in the South, you'll see African Americans address each other with, good morning, sis, or good morning, brother. You are there for each other. Question, your father was also devoted. It sounds as though this extraordinary man, a surgeon who was the first person to tend to Senator Robert Kennedy after he was shot in 1968, was fully present. Answer, there has been this stereotypical idea of the absentee black father. I wanted to dispel that. I know so many black men who are incredible fathers, no matter what their socioeconomic backgrounds. Every father on my block in South Central Los Angeles was present, even in circumstances that were not comfortable or easy. I also wanted to dispel the stereotype of what South Central, where I grew up, was or is. There was a label placed over this community of color that did not exemplify every situation. It was like all of South Central was a bad neighborhood. That was not my experience. There are communities that are labeled that way across America. Yes, there's crime and a lack of investment, but there are great people there. And this concludes the reading of the AARP Magazine and Bulletin. We hope you found these articles interesting and informative, and if you have any questions or comments about this broadcast, please call Radio I at 859-422-6390. Your reader has been Bill Van Arstel. Next, please stay tuned for Health Corner on Radio Live.